Part two, chapter eighteen of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Benyon and Malevsky. Part two, chapter eighteen. Meanwhile, in Antium, Petronius gained almost daily victories over the courtiers vying with him for Caesar's favor. The influence of Tigellinus had utterly declined. In Rome, when it seemed desirable to put out of the way such men as seemed dangerous, to confiscate their estates, to settle public affairs, to prepare spectacles that astonished alike by their splendor and their barbaric taste, or generally to satisfy the monstrous caprices of Caesar, Tigellinus, crafty and resourceful, seemed absolutely indispensable. In Antium, however, among the palaces overlooking the Azure Sea, Caesar led a Hellenic life from morn until night poems were read their metrical structure was discussed their subtlest graces dilated upon music and the theatre in short all which grecian genius had invented for the adornment of life found ready appreciation petronius more cultured than tigellinus or the other courtiers witty eloquent full of the most delicate tastes and feelings could not help attaining pre-eminence caesar sought his society consulted him in all things and accepted his advice when he was composing his friendship was greater than it had ever been to the courtiers it appeared that the triumph of petronius was permanently assured even those who had hitherto looked askance at the exquisite epicurean now surrounded him and sued for his favor more than one was in his inner soul pleased at the victory of a man who had always had a definite opinion who accepted with a sceptical smile the flatteries of his whilom enemies but who either through indolence or a natural refinement was not revengeful and did not use his power to the damage of others there were moments when he might have ruined tigellinus he preferred to laugh at him and to expose his lack of education and culture the senate in rome took breath again for a month and a half no sentence of death had been pronounced true both in rome and in antium tales were whispered of the refinement of debauchery to which caesar and his new favorite had attained nevertheless all preferred to be ruled by a refined caesar than by one bestialized at the hands of a tigellinus tigellinus himself lost his head he hesitated whether or not to throw up his hands for caesar repeatedly asserted that in all the roman court there were but two true hellenes two souls that understood each other himself and petronius the astonishing adroitness of the latter confirmed every one in the opinion that his influence would outlast all others no one could explain how caesar could live without him with whom should he speak of poesy of music of racing in whose eyes could he look to find if his own creations were indeed perfect petronius indifferent as ever seemed to attach no weight to his position as ever he was deliberate indolent witty and sceptical often he produced upon others the impression of one who jested at them at himself at caesar at all the world at times he even durst criticize nero to his face and even when those around him deemed that he had gone too far and was preparing for himself certain destruction he knew how to turn the criticism so that it resulted in his own gain people marveled at his cleverness they began to think that there was no difficulty from which he could not triumphantly extricate himself 
a week after vinitius's return to rome caesar read to a small audience a passage from his troyad when he had finished and the cries of admiration had ceased petronius in answer to a glance of caesar said bad verses fit only to be cast into the flames the hearts of all present stood still with terror never since his childhood had nero heard such a sentence from the lips of any one the face of tigellinus alone glowed with delight but vinitius grew pale he feared that petronius who had never been overcome with wine was now at last intoxicated nero in a honeyed voice tremulous none the less with deeply wounded vanity inquired what fault did thou find with them petronius did not quail do not believe them he cried pointing to those around him they know nothing thou askest me what fault i find in thy verse if thou wishest the truth i will tell thee they would be good for virgil for ovid even for homer but not for thee thou art not free to write such verse the conflagration thou describest does not blaze enough hearken not to the flatterers of lucan had he written the verses i should own their genius in thy case it is different knowest thou why thou art greater than these from one so richly dowered by the gods much more is demanded but thou art indolent thou preferest rather to sleep after dinner than to sit thyself down to arduous labor thou hast it in thee to create a work above all that the world has yet seen so i tell thee to thy face write a better poem he spoke with a lightsome air as of one who mingled banter with chiding caesar's eyes clouded over with a mist of delight the gods gave me a little talent he said but they have given me also something still better a true critic and a true friend who alone knows how to tell me the truth to my face he stretched out his fat hand overgrown with rusty hair to a gold candlestick plundered from the temple of delphi as if to burn the verses petronius snatched them away from him before the flames had touched the papyrus nay nay said he even as they are they belong to humanity let me have them then allow me to send them to thee in a cylinder of my own invention answered nero embracing petronius true he continued after a moment thou art right my conflagration does not burn enough but i deemed it sufficient if i could merely equal homer a certain diffidence and self-distrust have always stood in my way thou hast opened my eyes knowest thou why it is as thou sayest when a sculptor determines upon creating the statue of a god he seeks a model but i had no model never have i seen a burning city hence my description lacks verity then i will tell thee that only a great artist could appreciate the fact nero meditated a moment then he spoke answer me one question petronius art thou sorry that troy was burned am i sorry by the lame husband of venus not in the least i will tell thee why troy would not have been burned if prometheus had not given fire to man nor the greeks made war upon priam 
had there been no fire aeschylus would not have written his prometheus just as homer without war would not have written his iliad i prefer the existence of prometheus and the iliad to the preservation of a small and probably unclean city in the midst of which some paltry magistrate might now be sitting and annoying thee by his disputes with the local council that is what we call rational talk replied caesar for poetry and art it is allowable nay it is necessary to sacrifice everything happy the achaeans who gave us subject to the iliad happy priam who witnessed the destruction of his native city as to me i have never seen a burning city a moment of silence followed tigellinus was the first to break it nay caesar i have spoken say but the word and i will burn antium or if thou wouldst take compassion on these villas and palaces i will order the vessels in ostia to be burned or will build a wooden city for thee beneath the alban hills into which thou thyself may cast the fire is such thy wish nero cast upon him a glance of withering contempt am i to gaze on burning woodsheds he asked thy reason is failing thee tigellinus moreover i see that thou settest no great store by my talent or my troyad if thou thinkest any sacrifice were too great for it tigellinus drew back abashed nero as if wishing to change the conversation added summer is at hand how all rome must smell at present yet we must return for the summer games o oh, caesar put in tigellinus when thou dost dismiss the augustales allow me to remain for a while with thee an hour later vinitius was on his way home with petronius from caesar's villa i had a moment's fright on thy account said the younger man i thought that thou wast drunk and had irretrievably ruined thyself remember that thou art playing with death tis my arena said petronius lightly i enjoy the feeling that i am the best gladiator there see what the end was my influence has only increased the more he will send me his verses in a cylinder which i wager is as rich in value as it is barbarous in taste i shall order my doctor to keep laxatives in it i have a second reason tigellinus witnessing my success will doubtless attempt to imitate me i can imagine what will happen when he attempts a jest twill be as if a perinian bear were to dance a tight-rope i shall laugh like democritus if i willed it i might easily ruin tigellinus and succeed him as the praetorian prefect then bronzebeard himself would be in my clutches but i am indolent i prefer my present life even with the verses of caesar what adroitness to turn criticism into flattery but tell me are those verses so bad i do not claim to be a judge in such matters not worse than many others lucan has more talent in his little finger yet bronzebeard is not entirely lacking he has first a great love for poetry and music two days from now we shall call upon him to listen to his verses in honor of aphrodite which he will finish to-day or to-morrow there will be only a small audience myself thyself tullius senecio and young nerva 
as to the verses it is not true as i once said that i use them after feasting for the same purpose to which vitellius devotes flamingo feathers they are sometimes eloquent the words of hecuba are impressive she complains of the pains of childbirth nero found apt enough expressions perchance because he himself painfully brings forth every verse sometimes i pity him by pollux how strange a mixture he is caligula was insane but he was not such a ridiculous creature who can foretell whither bronzebeard's madness will lead asked vinitius no living man things may happen whose very remembrance may for entire centuries make the hair stand on men's heads that is just what interests me though i am frequently bored even as jupiter ammon in the desert yet i believe under any other caesar i should have been still more bored thy jewish friend is eloquent i acknowledge that if his religion triumphs then our gods must take serious thought lest they be retired on the shelf of course if caesar were a christian we should all feel more secure but thy prophet of tarsus in reasoning with me failed to understand that in this very insecurity lies for me the charm of life he who never plays dice will never lose his property nevertheless men play dice there is in it some strange delight and oblivion i have known knights and the sons of senators who have been glad to become gladiators thou tellest me i play with life tis true enough but i do it because it diverts me your christian virtues would bore me as much in a day as the discourses of seneca that is why the eloquence of paul went to waste he ought to understand that men such as i can never accept his creed with thee tis different a man of thy disposition might hate the very name of christian like the plague or might become one himself yawningly i recognize the truth of their arguments we do mad things we are hurrying to the verge of an abyss an unknown something signals to us from the future something is breaking under our feet something is dying around us so be it but we at least shall be able to die in the meantime we have no desire to add a burden to life or to experience death before it arrives life exists for itself alone not for death nevertheless i pity thee petronius do not pity me more than i myself pity formerly it was thy wont to enjoy thyself among us while campaigning in armenia thou wert ever longing for rome and now also i long for rome yea for thou art in love with a christian virgin dwelling in the trans tiber i do not marvel at this nor do i reproach thee rather i marvel that in spite of a creed which thou hast described as a sea of happiness and in spite of that love which will soon be crowned melancholy appears to oppress thee pomponia graecina is always serious and thou since thou becamest a christian hast ceased to smile so tell me not that it is a joyous creed from rome thou hast returned more despondent than ever if this be the christian manner of loving by the yellow curls of bacchus i for one will not follow your example let me explain replied vinitius i swear to thee not by the curls of bacchus but by the soul of my father that never in days of yore did i experience even a foretaste of the happiness in which i live at present nevertheless i feel an endless longing and what is even stranger when i am away from lygia i have a foreboding that some danger is hanging over her 
what it may be and whence it may come i know not but i feel it in advance just as one feels the coming storm in two days i shall strive to obtain for thee permission to leave antium for as long a time as it may please thee poppaea is a little more tranquil and so far as i can see no peril threatens either thee or lygia from that quarter yet to-day she asked me what i had been doing in rome yet my absence was a secret perchance she gave orders to have thy steps dogged by spies but even she must reckon with me in future paul resumed vinitius has told me that god sometimes sends warnings but forbids the belief in omens so i struggle against this feeling but cannot entirely master it i will relieve the burden of my heart by telling thee what happened lygia and i sitting side by side on a night as bright as this laid our plans for the future i cannot tell thee how calm and happy we were suddenly the lions began to roar tis no uncommon sound in rome but since that moment i have had no rest it seemed to me that there was a menace in it a presage of misfortune thou knowest i do not readily yield to fear but that sound filled all the night with terror it came so strangely and unexpectedly that those roars still resound in my ear and constant uneasiness possesses my heart as though lygia needed my assistance against something terrible even against those very lions i am in torture therefore obtain permission for me to leave otherwise i will go without it i cannot remain here i repeat it i cannot petronius laughed not yet he said has it come to the point of throwing men of consular dignity or their wives to the lions in the arenas any other death may be in store for thee but not that of course they may not have been lions for the german bulls roar no more gently for my part i make a mock of omens and prognostics last night was warm and i saw stars falling like rain more than one man would have grown uneasy at such a sight but i thought to myself if my star be among them at least i shall not lack company he stopped short after a moment's thought he added look you if your christ rose from the dead he will be able to protect you both from death he can indeed answered vinitius gazing upward at the star-strewn vault of heaven End of part two, chapter eighteen.